Doesn't this put you in a good mood? Yeah. That's gonna ring That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's ten o'clock, and you know if it's ten o'clock, it's time for love baths, love talk. And today, my guest is the returning Jeremiah Grace from Nesson, right? The Northeast Charter School Network. Yes, thank you Woo! for getting the name right. <laughs> hey, Karesha. Karesha is the uh, uh, Connecticut Communications Manager for Nesson. So she's hanging out. She doesn't want to be on here, but she's hanging out. So she's got Jeremiah's back on stuff. Indeed. And of course, sitting side, sitting shotgun for me is the great Harry Dross. So, hey, Harry, thank you. <laughs> All right, Jeremiah, because you've been on the show a couple of times and we and I have a commitment to charter schools and talking about charter schools. And it's always nice when I can bring people who know about charter schools to talk about charter schools. And so now you're up at the state capitol and you're fighting a budget or fighting for the budget to reflect the necessity and the needs of charter schools. Close? Yes, we are certainly um, not only um, protecting the needs, but also protecting from the folks that want to do harm by um, charters and the kids that we serve. So now what do you hear? Like, what's the what's the big fight? What is the... What are you trying to get the legislators to understand, to see, and to commit to with money? Uh, well, in general, I think the big fight at the legislature is um, leadership um, mm-hmm. and determining what a budget should um, be. But in terms of what the charter agenda is, our um, the large part of our um, ad- legislative agenda is funding equity. Mm-hmm. Um, charters, on average, receive four thousand less than their on our average than their their district peers, mm-hmm. and that is a problem because charters for the last twenty years have a, a proven track record of supplying um, educational experiences that has helped kids and continues to help kids reaching their full potential. So it's quite unfortunate that while we've been certainly helping to close the achievement gap that we haven't been able to reach our full potential because we haven't never achieved funding equity in terms of um, dollars that are spent on our children. So, you, so Jeremiah, this is the, this is the argument that I hear all the time. And you know, I'm pro charter school. I have kids at charter schools. I've been on boards of charter schools. I'm a fan of charter schools. Uh, but there's always these myths that are floating out there and they, they are pervasive um, that charter schools take away from public school funding that somehow or other, um, District schools are losing money because of these charter schools. How do you how do you continue to fight that? Like, how do you what do you say to that? Well, there's a lot of things that um, we have to say to dis, um, dispel myths that um, protectors of the status quo often put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's really being able to speak the truth of uh, what our um, work looks like and how it functions. Um, but also exposing elected officials to the very people that are working in the buildings. Um, who have chosen to put their children there, as well as the students um, that are uh, weeping the benefits from our schools. Uh, Charters, um, unfortunately, across America, there's a lot of myths that are out there because, for one, there are a lot of protectors of the status quo, for which have, for generations, have not been able to close the achievement gap to allow all children to be able to succeed in a uh, a public education setting. Um, So it's... um, quite frustrating, especially when we have places that we have loud um, voices of naysayers um, that do not want our schools there when we've been an added benefit to their district. So um, I can mention um, Bridgeport, for instance, there are over 2000 um, charter school students that attend um, a school, a charter school in in Bridgeport. The district, while it has um, certainly been underfunded, 
uh, unfortunately, by um, the state in terms of ECS funding formula dollars, um, it, charters have been a benefit to that district and to that city for one, producing great academic outcomes, but also when a child is going to a, a charter school, our money comes directly from the state. Mm-hmm. The budget from the Bridgeport Public School has not decreased. Yes, they are responsible for special education as well as transportation, um, but that's for any other type of public school. So that we have been an added benefit to, a fiscal added benefit to all of the districts that we um, um, we have children coming from. So what do you say to people when they say, you know, charter schools are just private, another way to say private schools, another way to say fancy, elitist, um, not serving enough black kids, private institutions, because that's what I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, that's another myth that's um, out there. For one, the vast majority of students that attend a charter school in Connecticut are um, black or Latino. Um, secondly, it's not private. Um, the groups that I've been fortunate to work with over the last four years um, here at Nesson, uh, we've been able to help um, um, community leaders open mm-hmm. up these quality options. And the stories of how our schools are founded is quite fascinating. And um, a part of our work is to elevate and create that um, true narrative around who our schools are. Our schools um, have to... Um, go through a lottery um, in large cities like Hartford and New Haven. That is the same lottery system that any other public school um, um, in that area um, is a part of. Mm-hmm. So our schools are open to all. They're free um, to all. And a lot of our schools do um, great due diligence, whether it's AF or Great Oaks, um, that go out into the communities and knock on doors in order to um, expose folks to the opportunity that these schools offer. So what do you say to people when they say um, charter schools, when they don't want to deal with these little black kids who are trifling and upsetting to them, they throw them back to the public school system? What I, that's, say, that's I, I, I say that's a there. complete, you know, un, un, untruth. Um, there are challenges um, in any type of, of school um, setting that um, our schools have to go through. However, um, our schools have to be are under the same compliance laws than our uh, than, than our local education agencies that we have that aren't necessarily charters. Um, so our students, um, um, first of all, our students already receive four thousand less than their district count uh, parts. But our school, our schools, and our scholars are achieving great, great heights despite that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact remains, um, again, I believe eighty three percent of of our children are black and Latino um, and parents are are continuing to um, enroll their students in our schools. So now, okay. So before we shift gears, let me ask one more thing about um, there seems to be a real concern around diversity of teachers in these charter schools. Um, Not at common ground. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm biased, but uh, you know, achievement first first has been taking some hits about um, the lack of diversity. And I know that's not in your wheelhouse, Mm -hmm. but it is a charter. There are charter schools. And um, do you see uh, are other charter schools struggling with that kind of diversity issue? 
I think the diversity of the teaching um, force in Connecticut is a statewide issue, Mm -hmm. and it goes beyond charter schools. It actually goes beyond public schools. Um, Our the laws in in terms of how to get certified as a teacher um, is extremely harm and hazardous to the state um, as a whole because it doesn't um, offer people that want to get into the profession or are already in the profession but outside of the state are not um, is there's not an easy route to be certified and so that prevents um, a lot of um, teachers of color from being able to be certified. Um, thanks to the great work of um, advocates at ConCan over the last two years, they've been working on uh, minority teacher recruitment, which mm-hmm. uh, led to the state establishing a task force that is co-chaired by Senator Holder Winfield and um, Representative Porter. Um, so this issue is, is beyond just charters. But one thing I can say for charters and um, I can actually say for AF is that they've been very intentional about how to attract uh, more students, uh, sorry, more Uh, teachers and um, administrators of of color. Um, Do we have work to do? Absolutely. But our schools see this as an opportunity to be able to enhance the educational experiences that our scholars um, receive day to day. Um, So this is an area in which charters are um, are intentional about addressing. Mm -hmm. So now you know, you've heard the the national NAACP has come out (laughs) out of the blue uh, railing against charter schools, which I, 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 you know, I can't, I mean, I, I hear behind the scenes, a a whole different kind of conversation, Mm -hmm. but publicly they've taken this stance. And so um, do you feel like you have to combat that? Do you feel like, how are you all dealing with that? Because it's an old and established civil rights organization Mm -hmm. and people listen to them, you know, and people sort of like, well, if they're saying this, we must probably need to look at this or align ourselves that maybe they're on the side of right and maybe they, they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I happen to think that they don't, but I know that people follow them and you know, they've, they've been a stalwart in our, in our community. So mm-hmm. how do you, are you combating that? What do you think of that? Uh, well, first and foremost, as a former branch president of the NAACP. Ooh, I didn't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> 2006. I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and at that time, I was one of the youngest presidents in the country, um, but I also, at that time, I was not necessarily a charter supporter. I was on my local school board, mm-hmm. and I've been on a journey um, actually right after um, serving on the board and serving as an OCP to be truly exposed to the magic that's happening in those schools and the opportunity it provides commu- the communities that it serves. So you had a change of heart. Yes. And so with that, I don't think, um, I wouldn't put... Um, our relationship with the NAACP as combative, but mm-hmm. it's more so being able to expose them to the truths that they have. They have a deep historic relationship with um, many of our naysayers, which are often um, the teacher unions. This is not going to be a race overnight, um, but our hope is that they can see that the um, hundreds of thousands and millions of families that have chosen to go to a charter school is actually good for the folks of color that the um, which essentially is a part of their mission. Mm-hmm. Um, it is extremely frustrating to be able to work with many community groups in um, um, the state that want to open up a school. Charters, there are currently over 9,300 students in charter schools. We have a wait list of almost seven thousand names 
Is that where is that here in Connecticut? In Connecticut alone. In, in Connecticut alone, and with that, you know, this the NAACP issued a moratorium on these schools. We need to get to those seven thousand um, families as soon as possible because mm-hmm. those the, the schools that they currently probably go to are not necessarily meeting the needs of their child. We have been working with community groups that have many different innovative models that have. Um, proven to be successful that should have the opportunity to launch here in this state, which is uh, one of the states that have one of the best educational systems, but is also one of the states that have one of the largest achievement gaps in this country, which means that black and brown children in this state do not um, 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 perform academically on testing than their white district peers. So how are kids doing in charter schools? Like, what is that? What does that look like? Doing quite well. Over 80% of our students are performing um, um, higher than their district peers in both English and math. And this is, and even in with the new test aspect of testing, our schools are working diligently to close the achievement gap for the past 20 years. And we should be um, applauded for that work and not denounce in many settings um, of, of influencers. So let me let me jump back to the NAACP thing, because if you were, I mean, as as a past president, do you think that that carries more weight with this body? Um, because, you know, you've 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 had a turnaround and you and you're working for a charter school organization. Um, d- do you have some credibility with these folks to sort of say, listen, you know, I'm I was with y'all on this. And then I've had a moment to sort of dig into this and get into it and really sort of see that this is something that could be good in our, this is good for our communities and our kids. I mean, do you, do you use that when you walk into those spaces? Um, I use my, my own personal experience when I walk into every space that I, I enter um, because this work is beyond the paycheck that I receive every other week, you know, <laughs> um, as a black man living in America, has been always important to me to be able to um, activate others um, towards social justice. And mm-hmm. so um, my hope is that I'm credible in all the spaces that I enter, in particular with the NAACP. Um, I'm not sure if this the state conference as a whole is truly behind this moratorium. Mm-hmm. Um, the a state um, chapter held a, a hearing um, in December, um, which I believe you were a part of. Uh, I didn't uh, make it, but I was going to yes. go and testify. Well, actually, I saw you downtown yeah. afterwards. <laughs> well, I was somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and with, um, and at that um, conference, you know, my testimony was um, quite poignant on being um, frustrated and upset that the moratorium was issued for the various um, reasons that I um, shared. But afterwards, I had a number of uh, branch local branch presidents to say, hey, we're not um, we're not for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and some um, um, even said that, you know, this is something that came down for national um, and um, we it's something that we have to you know pursue. But personally, um, I'm for expanding options into the communities that we have branches. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I don't take this as um, the national moratorium as something that um, um, the state um, um, chapter um, truly wants to pursue. 
And through the leadership of Scott X, the president of the, um, the conference, he has launched the national conversation um, in um, the NAACP to be um, for them to understand um, why from both sides. Um, and I think that is important, but I would have hoped that the national organization would have launched such a initiative prior to the issuing a moratorium, which essentially is disrespectful to the million plus families that have chosen a, a, a charter school and the million plus families that are probably on our wait list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So um, what do you think the future is charter schools right now? Um. Well, nationally or in Connecticut? In Connecticut. And we'll talk nationally because mm-hmm. I, I want to get to the president's education pick. Ooh. But we, and, and if she does you any favors because she's, I don't know, pro-something, pro-choice. Mm-hmm. So, But let's talk about Connecticut first. Um, I think the future of, of our charters is that um, we, um, which create which is why this was created, is, is to be able to promote innovation. And many of our schools are... Um, they're changing for the better. They are able to look at the school and see what's working mm-hmm. and make adjustments in order for it to move forward. Um, my hope for the future of Connecticut's charter is that we we will achieve funding equity in terms of per pupil, but also in terms of facilities because charters do not receive any facilities funding and are eligible to one pot of money that's not necessarily offered from year to year to our schools. Um, a part of the future of you know Connecticut is also um, diving deeper into the community to be um, more community institutions like you know Common Ground, which is probably um, one of our most beloved um, um, charters. And I see more charters looking to go in that that directions because mm-hmm. we are community institutions that should be looked at um, as leaders in education, but also um, providing models that can be adjusted to district schools in order to enhance their um, education experiences that they're offering children. Um, uh, the future of charters also includes um, the leaders of, of this state. You know, we have graduations across this, yeah. um, this, this, this state and, you know, for 20 years, our schools have um, been able to get kids um, to and through college. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when I can go to um, various schools and I see a former student that's uh, teaching, whether it's um, uh, we had an intern from New Beginnings Family Academy who's currently working full time there or um, going to AF Hartford and seeing one of their former students not only um, teach um, in AF Hartford, but also advocate on behalf of the char- charter schools that created the opportunity for uh, to help her go- get to college and eventually become an educator. So, Jeremiah, tell me nationally, are there any charter schools that have parity? around their funding is there anywhere in this country that you know charter schools are funded at the same level as all the other public schools um there are many many um states that have um achieved um um parity i did not Uh, know that and connecticut is one of two states that funds the um we are funded in the way that we are where whereas one we're not a part of a, a funding formula um, which is um, quite upsetting um, because no um, type of public school should just get a flat amount of money because different um, students have different needs. Um, and um, and two, <laughs> I haven't finished my um, coffee this morning. <laughs> um, 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 what was the question? 
have other uh, where? Oh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Also, so um, so we haven't um, um, we're so year to year our line items at Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you can talk to any legislator, particularly from New Haven, about um, parents coming up to the Capitol. Yeah. And, it, and it's because like every year we're fighting for our lives. Mm-hmm. And this is not something that is happening across the, the um, this country where charters like our schools right now are working to prepare a budget for their schools next year. Yet they will uh, not re- um, uh, understand what they're eligible to receive based on seat allocations until July of this year. Wow. We've had a RFP, you know, um, we had two years where we haven't had an RFP for new schools. The last round of schools that came out were schools that I'm quite excited about, such as Booker T. Washington, mm-hmm. Gray Oats, Path um, Academy, um, Stanford Charter School for Excellence, Brass City. Like all of these schools have opened. Like Brass City opened in 2013 and last year performed one of the highest. Um, um, one received schools of a distinction by the state department. And secondly, is one of the best elementary schools in the state. And not just in terms of charters, but any public school. Mm-hmm. Our state is not seizing the opportunity to enhance public education to many kids that are living um, in our alliance districts, which are the only t- um, places in which charters can open. And alliance districts are the lowest performing school districts in the state. Um, so it's unfortunate that we are funded this way. Um, but um, hopefully we have leaders in the legislature that um, are talking about making bold approaches in terms of how they are um, 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 spending on public education when we have to think as a, as a whole, mm-hmm. how can we fix this, you know, um, issue of equity? That's a, that's a problem. If we live in, in, especially in the places where the vast majority of our schools are in, which are in urban um, um, pockets in um, Connecticut, Many of these districts are already on the, on the current funding formula not being um, 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 or not receiving equitable funding. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to charters, that's even greater. I see what you're saying. So there are public schools that are not even being funded at their full p- potential. Mm-hmm. And so and then charter schools are falling below that, even that. So. Wow. So tell me, now let's let's shift to the national scene for the, for a moment. So now we have this new administration, mm-hmm. and he's got a new education person. Does she do you any favors? Um, well, I think charters have been fortunate um, for the last two decades to have um, folks in the White House that supported um, charter schools, including uh, President Obama, who funded charter schools at an unprecedented um, level. Um, the Secretary of Education under the Trump administration is a choice supporter as well as a charter supporter. Um, my hope is that um, our schools um, do uh, receive additional funds, but it doesn't come um, at um, the expense of other programs that are equally as important to enhance education um, opportunities in this country. Um, so it, it, it remains to be seen whether this budget passes, which charters do receive additional dollars. Um, but again, um, our hope is not is not at the expense of the public education system that we have in America. Good morning. This is Babs Rolls-Ivy, and this is Love Babs Love Talk on 103.5 FM WNHH. And we're live streaming on a newhavenindependent.org. And we're also on Facebook. 
So I'm having a wonderful, rich conversation with Jeremiah Grace, who is my friend. And he's been here periodically to talk about the state of um, charter schools in Connecticut specifically. He's the um, Connecticut State Director of the Northeast Charter School Network, Nesson. And, um, and so we're talking about this because Connecticut right now is in the middle or the beginning of its legislative <sighs> WWWF <laughs> for the budget. And um, and everybody and their mama is trying to, you know, get a piece of this budget. And the state is in, in, is in dire straits at the moment. I mean, we, you know, we have a, de- a deficit that is starting Over a billion to, dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even, I couldn't even say it. Yeah. And I think it's unreal and unheard of. And mm-hmm. people are quite nervous about that. But we still have to educate children. And, and, and the schools that, that are open, we need to keep them open. And, um, and then we have to build upon that and grow Absolutely. them. So... What do you hope will happen this legislative session? Um, um, our hope um, at Nesson is that, um, for one, that we have enough seats for um, many of our schools that open up in the last three years to mm-hmm. go to the next grade. So talk to me a little bit about um, when you finish this statement. I, wanna, I want you to explain grade growth and seat growth because I find that interesting. Yeah. Many of our um, newer schools, which weren't um, yet to reach full scale, were counting on having enough funding in the budget to expand and add new grades. Okay. Um, this is what we consider um, grade growth, and that funding wasn't in- included. Um, and then we have other schools that were planning that were not planning to add new grades, but we're hoping to um, create room to educate more kids. Um, um, in existing grades. And that's what we consider seat growth. So for instance, Common Ground last school year opened up their new building, mm-hmm. which gives them the opportunity to um, educate more kids. And we know that, you know, Common Ground certainly has a wait list of, <laughs> of families that <laughs> desperately want their their child to go there. And, um, and it's unfortunate, and this is, was also supported by the um, state funds, some of the monies that were used for their new building, um, the state knew that this was going to um, come down. That's not necessarily right now um, being supported, but that's something that we are fighting, um, fighting for. Um, so we have, you know, two types of growth that um, our schools want to conduct, which are new, um, new um, grade growth mm-hmm. and seat growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but grade growth is, is extremely important because I've been to many of the first days of schools and at these schools, whether it was my, what a, a huge day, you know, for me was in 2013 when Brass City Charter School opened and I saw these purple bunch kids, you know, <laughs> uh, that were in kindergarten and, you know, and then, um, you know, over the summer to find out that they third graders are one of the, um, the best, you know, is making it one of the best schools in the state. And these families that just love the school and, and Brad City's, uh, what that charter, um, receives only kids from Waterbury. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and Waterbury's, you know, public education system is not, um, the finest, and um, it's upsetting to me that this is a school that wants to go to eighth grade that this year is at jeopardy of being able to go to fifth grade next year. Wow. You know? and, so and, you've had this. So you so you're telling me that these kids had this really fine education, this expansive and innovative education, and then they're going to get thrown back into an education system that didn't serve them anyway. And it's not going to serve them at the same level that they were. 
or Ooh. even or even meet the the uh, is the right fit for a lot of these yeah. families. And it's not just even Brass City; it's Booker T. Washington, it's Great Oaks um, Charter School. Like these are schools um, that um, um, should receive the support because um, for one. These are mission-driven um, schools. When you enter their buildings, you know that their school leaders, the teachers, the janitors, the administration care about these students. And that's not something that we can say that's across the board in every type of public school. Mm-hmm. But at, a, at charter schools, at the super vast majority of, of, of our schools, that's what's happening. And this is something that we, uh, our legislature, have to support. Yes, we are in um, desperate um, financial circumstances right now, but our education is the future of our state. And so we must invest in educational opportunities that are reaching um, um, kids, particularly kids that are in underserved communities. Mm -hmm. That is important that anyone with a moral compass can understand that. Education is the great equalizer and our schools are allowing that to happen and they should be supported by all. I think you're right. So um, walk me through a lobbying session. Like, what do you say to legislators? Like not to the ones in New Haven, because because our our, our greater New Haven legislators are amazing. Indeed. You know, they show up, they speak up and they and they listen. They care and they work. They, and they work, <laughs> yeah. honey. I know Robin Porter, Gary Winfield, Tony Edmonds. I know these folks work. Yeah. Walker Lamar, Candelaria. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. All Looney. Of them. Yes, yeah. No, they um, all work. I'm definitely proud to live so here. So we're not talking to them. <laughs> yes. How do you talk to the ones who are not them? <laughs> well, the one thing and the beauty about this issue, and I've had a, a career in advocacy since um, um, 2006. And um, the cool thing about this issue is that it's bipartisan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have many legislators, particularly in the GOP, that um, have shown support in, in different ways. Um, and our approach to legislators, it really depends on the, um, if they have a charter school, um, if they're on education or appropriation. So it, it, it certainly varies. Um, however, um, the main point is to really get them to understand that when you think of a charter school, do not just think of one type of school because our schools look different. Mm-hmm. Um, I want um, our hope is that they understand that um, these are communities that were founded by educators, parents, community leaders um, that um, wanted to take a chance um, and create something new and something different. For, and nobody's for kids. getting rich off of off of and, starting yeah, a charter. That's school. a huge, you know, myth because uh, <laughs> this state doesn't even offer startup funds for these schools, and so we have schools that are has to fundraise um, and philanthropic dollars are not necessarily always going to be there mm-hmm. um, to be able to open up the schools, including like a doctor, you know, Steve Perry, like for him to open up the school, it was a lot of money that needed to be raised in order for him to open up that, those, do- those doors. Um, I distinctly remember um, John Taylor at Booker T. Washington, him being able to one, get a building and get the building up to code in order for that school to open well before receiving its initial payment from the state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite unfortunate yes because that that, that's one of the most prevailing myths and i hear it everywhere i go that somehow or other um starting charter schools is the new way to get wealth and i'm thinking to myself i i know all these people and none of them are wealthy Mm -hmm. and and rich and driving nice cars and living in a nicer house i mean they're just not Mm -hmm. so i don't know i don't know where that myth is i don't know 
if there's some for-profit school charter schools out there that are existing and yeah. Um, there are corporate driven. Yeah, yeah. There are for profit nonprofits, um, for profit um, charters that out there, but not in Connecticut. Yeah, because Connecticut, uh, you have to be a nonprofit. Yes, the legislature in 2015, when we um, modernized the charter law, put that into law. Um, prior to that, there weren't any for profit um, um, charters um, here in the, the state, and I, and right now there, are, to my knowledge, there aren't any trying to mm. come into the state. All of our um, 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 CMOs, all of our charters, are nonprofit organizations that are seeking to um, do do good by the community. So when when uh, charter schools come under Nesson or mm-hmm. right when they come or a part yeah or a part of Nesson, mm-hmm. not under but a part of Nesson, so you provide them what? Um, we provide them with a, a lot of different um, services. We have a phenomenal team that are um, based in um, New Haven and in um, in Albany that are working diligently to, one, advocate for them on, at the state house, mm-hmm. advocate for them. Because um, they, they, they don't have time to go individually and do that, right? Um, uh, well, they, they do. You know, we represent them on an ongoing basis, mm-hmm. but our schools come up um, um, a few times uh, a session, but it's more so being a membership association that we're representing their best interests, but also uh, providing them information that uh, can potentially impact them. Mm-hmm. And so working with them closely um, is important for that um, piece of the work. In addition to the work that we do with the State Department of Education, informing them about the challenges that our schools um, need and also exposing them to opportunities that they can seize to ex- um, to um, expand um, our school's impact um, um, for the communities that we're serving. Um, so we advocate the state house as well as the, the state department of education. Um, communications is also a core piece of our work, um, creating a narrative that's um, based on truth and not um, <laughs> false um, lies and, and, and myths that are out there. And so we feel as though it's our obligation to um, be able to uplift the voices and stories of our schools. Um, that's a, a piece of our work. And um, lastly, a large piece of our work is also new schools work. So the the six schools that have been um, approved since 2013 have gone through our new school and incubate, incubator program in some capacity. And that's something that we're greatly proud of because we've been able to recruit some successful models um, but also help community groups um, that want to um, launch a new opportunity in, in their local communities. And our hope is that um, the State Board of Education does just that later this year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I will say this. I'm certainly impressed by the quality uh, and the diversity of the charter schools. Like there's just no one type. Yes. Right. Like everybody, like everywhere I go, everybody's different. They have a different vibe, a different um, set of values, a different sort of all good, but just very, very different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think I can't imagine why we wouldn't want to showcase and expand that kind of diversity because it really seems to be. Uh, I mean, I just know from common ground. Um, every time I walk on those grounds, I feel um, like this is really such a special, sacred place. And kids are, I mean, they're teenagers. But they like it, you know. Yeah. It's a safe space for them. So, I kind of like I like 
um, that model. I don't know where you can create a farm model anywhere else, but yeah, but I, even I just like the special it. place, like I, I believe each of our schools are special places. I know. And I like. Own, um, and, and, I like the school that you had the breakfast at oh, last Bitsy year. Washington. Yes, mm-hmm. I thought that was such a great. The energy in there was so. It's, oh my no, gosh! It's, it's, it's definitely illuminating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, we, um, Carisha, did a phenomenal job with organizing a press conference there on Tuesday, and it is it, you know it gets me a little choked up you know there because just one to walk. I love walking into our schools and you are greeted with just love. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I'm I'm fortunate and humbled to be able to do this work here um, because we do have people that care. And really is getting the legislature to look at the like we have so many naysayers that have had these relationships with um, political parties for such a long time. And they can say a lot of things about us that are not necessarily true. And then we feel as though at Nesson, it's our job to really put it out there mm-hmm. and expose the truth and beauty that's happening in our, our schools because this our practices should be adopted elsewhere. If we have one of the worst achievement gaps in the state, we should be working hard to be able to look at these proof points of kids being able to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. When I look at um, achievement first or a common ground um, um, or any of our, our high schools, and I can go to one of their graduations and, and or signing day which is one of my favorite events that AF does yearly, the signing day. And when you kids um, expose um, where the next uh, school, that, well, college that they're going to, I can only believe that if they didn't get that opportunity at that charter, where would they be? Mm-hmm. And if legislators um, really care about making bold moves in this fiscal climate, they will see this as an opportunity that will be helpful to our state and hopefully beyond. I like that. I and I love that signing thing. Like <laughs> I love it that too. That is just the coolest. It just makes it just brings a sense of pride to mm-hmm. a community and a family because it takes a whole community and village to sort of get a kid to that particular place. And Absolutely. So, so that's a level of pride. I just think that's the coolest, coolest thing. And I, when I saw that, I was like, wow. I would have appreciated that when yeah. I was going on it's certainly a tear-jerking event <laughs> yeah. yeah because you know what it t- i mean people know what it takes to sort of get a kid all the way through because that's that's really what you've done you've Absolutely. got a kid and you got him to the college gates and and that's a huge accomplishment in in the world that we live in now with so many distractionary things that mm-hmm. can you know derail your your um um educational pursuits so absolutely all right so you know we got about what five more minutes so, you know, I'm always asking and checking in on you. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. You look very rested. So, well, I like, thanks. Um, <laughs> I started um, Bikram uh, two weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> Did he tell you it I, is the best I, kept secret? I hate <laughs> yoga, but I love yoga people. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> That's the yeah, hot yoga, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> it's 90 minutes. Um, yes. So, the last 10 days, I've been eight of the last 10 days. And so, oh. that breathing uh, has been great for me. Um, <laughs> uh, the last three legislative sessions have been increasingly difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, at times, as folks probably know, that my patient runs dry mm-hmm. um, because this work is just so important that we get it right mm-hmm. um, every year. 
Um, and we've been able to um, get the legislation to get there. So um, Bikram has been very um, helpful. <laughs> um, and then also just the, the the parents that I've been able to encounter um, the last um, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have had we've been working with um, families um, for the last three years Um uh, much upon when we hired our advocacy manager, Jose Afaro, who I know you know. Yes. Um, and the parents this year, um, we launched uh, um, a training initiative of uh, two years ago. And I, I'm seeing the benefits of our parents being increasingly more knowledgeable around our issues that we are advocating for and them coming up to the Capitol to really um, be Fierce advocates. I've been up there on behalf with parents (laughs) and for parents. And as a parent, I've been up there and it's a really well organized when you guys call us up to, to be a part of that. It's really well done. Yeah. And so those um, experience of being exposed to those parents has been truly um, motivational because their strength um, only strengthens the team at Nesson Mm -hmm. um, because we, we get excited at a hearing um, um, and a parent just really just speaks their truth to power. It is so beautiful. Um, and I, I, I'm energized and my team is energized on, on the, and then also our school leaders. We, um, are fortunate to be supported by many, um, school leaders that want to do well by kids and mm-hmm. takes the time out of their day that they're spending to, um, be a part of the advocacy to, to move forward. And so we're very fortunate. Um, to have really a robust network of different um, kinds of folks that are helping us in our movement to um, ex- um, br- bring forth school choice for many others. So let me let me get this in. Um, has the immigration situation has it touched charter schools at all? Um, do you look at that? Are you concerned about that? Oh, I, personally, um, absolutely. Um, at Nesson, I'm um, fortunate um, to, um, I guess this is my first time um, exposing this in the press. Um, um, our CEO um, and our team um, are um, going to be uh, participating with um, a, a Dreamers organization that is seeking to allow undocumented um, um, students to be eligible to the f- um, financial aid um, mm-hmm. at our state's um, colleges and universities. Um, our we have, I'm sure, many of our schools have undocumented um, students, um, and so I I can't imagine what that might feel for someone that is at a charter or not. But I do know that we have many of our um, leaders and at our schools that do care about that issue. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a it's such a hot topic right now, and rightly so. And I know that schools are putting in putting things in place. Um, and I know New Haven has always been on the forefront of this issue, even before it it came to back into the uh, another the reason to love space. New Haven. <laughs> yeah, no, really, we you know we've we've handled this this immigration business you know a decade ago, right? So we're back here in this place again. Um, so um, I just wondered what the effect would be on charter schools and what, mm. you know, what other charter schools are doing and how they're preparing for this. So, yeah. but it's always good to see you, Jeremiah. Great to see you. you do look rested. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it. Beacon, everyone. <laughs> 59 Elm Street. <laughs> and Carisha, thank you so much for 
um, being here and coordinating this conversation. So I'll see you, and you're you're welcome to come back anytime, and Thank you're you. welcome to submit stuff to me for uh, you know the inner city news. Cause, Absolutely, because our parents read that and. And they'd be happy to know that you're contributing to us, too. So. Thank you. All right. Well, y'all have a good Friday. You, too. Thank you, Harry. And uh, I'm back again for pundits so we could talk politics in about, I don't know, 20 minutes. I'll see you all on Monday at 9 o'clock for our Love Babs Love Talk for music and uplifting conversation. Thank you. Bye. That's Thank good. you. Yes. Thank you. That was...